once once somebody meets Jesus, uh, a very well-known next step, according to the Word of God, is them getting baptized. We are baptizing people today at Meadows Church. Can we give God some praise? We are so excited. And uh, you picked a great weekend to be here because it's going to be a party. It's going to be a celebration. As I talk to people who want to get baptized, it's funny. Someone asked me, are you guys going to, like, do we get dunked completely? Or is it just kind of the sprinkling? I said, no, no, no. I said, you're getting dunked completely. And that freaks people out sometimes because a lot of people have a fear of water, right? And we've all, I get we've all got fears. Like me, clowns. I hate them. Okay, I'm just saying it out loud because it makes me feel better. I had a buddy who said, Monty, if you ever get attacked by a, by a mob of clowns, go for the juggler. Like, he's the leader, right? You get it. Yeah, so I ain't going for nothing. I'm running. So, but anyway, it can be scary for some people. But to put you all at ease, at Meadows, so far, we've baptized 220, uh, 220 people. Yeah, since we've launched, we've baptized 220 people. And here's the best news. We haven't lost one right? That should make you feel good. We have no one's, everybody's made it out of the tank. So that should put you at ease. I, um, every weekend, it seems like life change is happening in our church. It doesn't just seem like it, it is happening. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I'll, I'll tell you every week and I'll keep telling you, for those of you, you call Meadows your home. Like this is, this is your family and, and you give back to God through the church. I'll never quit reminding you that what you're going to see, you're going to witness life change today. This is what you invest in. This is what you give towards. The kids ministry that's getting poured into right now, that's what you invest in. Youth on Wednesdays, partying with the students, that's what you invest in. People surrendering their lives, marriages getting restored, people overcoming addiction, this is what you're investing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for investing and giving back to God through the church. In fact, sometimes we like to share stories because you can hear it from me all day long. It's the pastor, he's supposed to whatever. But to hear it from you, it's powerful. Just, just watch this little snippet, if you would, from Dave and Tanya. As we started to talk about tithing and, and making that commitment, we knew that we wanted to be closer to God. And so we took a look at the budget and we're like, where the heck is 10% gonna come from? That's when we discovered real quick that Starbucks and the gas station for tobacco probably were the first things that we could cut out. But then it's amazing how God just brings light to your budget and, and you realize that if you just trust in him that you can find that 10% off the top and just have faith that he'll take care of the rest. And so many people, they worry about that 10%. You know, they're worried about, well, I got to give this much. I have to do this amount. You know, Paul told us in the Corinthians, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. And, and like Tanya was saying, the blessings that we're seeing, it, it's just phenomenal. And on top of that, you can see, especially with Meadows, how that money goes to our ministries, be it to Victory Apartments or the mission or the schools and the kids. And it wasn't easy. And I would tell you, just like the other 78% of Americans, there's a lot of times that it's paycheck to paycheck. But if you have that faith in God that he will deliver, it will happen. And you can continue to tithe and, and still get your bills paid. And truthfully, I would tell you that I think that it's brought us closer in our marriage. Definitely. I'm just excited for what the future holds. Pretty much sums it up. It's awesome, and we have people taking steps every weekend at Meadows. So there's ways you can give back. They're on the screen, or they will be uh, Venmo, bases, all kinds of ways. But you're investing in life change. That's what you're giving to. Thank you, 
Thank you, thank you. With that said, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the ones getting baptized. I want to pray for the ones that came to watch them get baptized. I want to pray for every one of you. Because if you're like me, you've got some stuff going on in your life. Maybe stuff no one else knows about. Maybe something that just you're struggling with in here, because we got that going on in this world. I want to lift you up to the Lord. And I want him to do a work in you. And I want him to clear your heart and your mind so that you can receive a word today that if you let it, it will, it will transform your life. Father, I thank you so much. We are excited and expectant about what you're going to do in your house today. Father, I thank you for those that are stepping forward and declaring their faith in baptism. I thank you for friends and family that have came to experience and watch and celebrate with them. Father, I lift up everybody here. I don't know what's going on in their family. I don't know what's going on in their finance. I don't know what's going on um, in, their, in their workplace or maybe just with a sin or a struggle that they got in their life because we all got something. We just want to get real before you. Okay, well, this is a church, God. You already know who we are. We're a church that's not okay. But it's okay to not be okay because that's who you came for is the ones that aren't okay. That's us. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for ministering to us. Thank you for speaking to us today through your word and your truth and changing us from the inside out. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Church, pretty much every weekend we pray what we call, what well, what, we know as the Lord's Prayer. We pray it together as a family because that's a core value of ours. So I, I, if you know it, pray it loud with me. And if you don't know it, we're going to put it right up on the screen for you. You can just read it off the screen. But let's pray nice and loud to the Father, can we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we give God one more shout of praise? We praise him before the message happens. We praise him because we know he's going to move. Oh my gosh. So um, let me start this message with a question. For those of you watching online, those of you in the room, how many of you, how many of you, you grew up going to church? Raise your hand. Quite a few. I, 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 yeah, quite a few. You grew up, whether it was regularly every week or maybe it was a couple times a month. We, many of us, we grew up in the church. Got it? Check one. There we go. Yes. So many of us, we grew up in the church, right? So here's the thing. Um, can we agree there are different styles of churches? There, there, are different, there are different beliefs in churches. There are different, um, I always say there's different churches for different people. Like the church I grew up in, it wasn't, you were quiet in church. Ain't no one shouting amen. Ain't no one shouting preach. Like if someone's shouting in that church, they're probably having a seizure. They will get escorted out, okay? That's, what, that's in my church. I don't know how it was in yours. 15 years ago, I stepped into a church where it was different than that. It was a church where, like, when I walked in, I thought they had, like, everybody had questions because everybody had their hand up. I'm like, I don't know what kind of church this is. Must be kind of Q&A. Well, no, they were, like, praising and worshiping. And they were doing it, like, different ways. And I've, I've done this before, and I won't do it as elaborate, but there's different ways. I don't know if 
that's right. But yeah, it is. So there's different ways that they were worshiping. Like some people, it was like this, you know, like they're carrying a 55-inch TV for Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You know, they're just carrying Jesus. Jesus, where you want us to put it? You know, it's like, or they're washing the windows for Jesus, right? I'm washing windows for you, Jesus. Or they're getting arrested for Jesus, right? Some of you, you know, you've been there, right? So you've there been, or if they're real spiritual, it's Mufasa for Jesus, right? I mean, there's different ways that people worship. And, and in different styles, in different arenas, I always say if you're new to Meadows Church, if this church is for you, you'll probably know it pretty quickly. But if it's not, we'll point you to a church that is for you because Jesus didn't die for Meadows Church. Jesus died for the church. I, um, we're part of an organization. You need to know this. Meadows is part of an organization called Within Reach. It is unique. It is churches in the Omaha area that partner together to reach our city for Christ. Like, it's unity within the body of Christ, which I think people are desperate for. And we are so excited to be a part of it. I went to a... um, a seminar they just had. They, they were crazy enough to let me talk at it, but it was awesome. We were talking about our discipleship process at Meadows, which is purpose groups, and you'll hear about those during the summer. But I'm talking about that, and they shared stats at this, at this um, event. And the stats were about the church, how the church is in decline. Not just the church is in decline, but Christian, people claiming Christ is in decline. And that would make sense. You look at the world and the, the trajectory the world's gone over the last 10, 20, 30 years, uh, most people wouldn't say it's gone in, in a great trajectory. Like most people would say it's kind of gone maybe backwards or downhill. So the stats, I'm going to give you the three things they shared about the church and about Christianity. It said in 2000, 45% of Americans identified as practicing followers of Jesus. Almost half of people. Today, 25% do. So a fourth of the people now would claim Christ and practice what he teaches. In 2009, 48% of Americans attended church the previous week. Come just 13 years later, it's dropped 20% to less than a third. 29% attended the previous week. So you, you see where we're going here. Now, this last one is crazy. The last one says that 4 to 6% of churches are experiencing conversion growth. That conversion growth, that means that new people, people that are unchurched or de-churched, they were going, now they're coming back, are coming. Are coming. That's, that's good growth, uh, not transfer growth, where they're just going from this church to that church. That's conversion growth. 94% of churches in our country right now are either stalled, meaning they're stagnant, just kind of doing this, or they're declining. So that is a crazy fact. I'm pretty excited to tell you that Meadows, we are in the 4 to 6%, and I'm telling you this, we plan on staying there. And I'm going to show, I'm gonna, so today, let me tell you something. What this whole message is about, we're in a series called The Best is Yet to Come, If. See, the best isn't automatically yet to come for you. There are things that we need to do in order for, the best, for that statement to be true. So in this, in this message, I'm going to talk about the church a little bit, the state that we're in, and I'm going to start by talking about reasons that people don't want to go. And there's so many. I narrowed it down to a few. But, like, the first one says this. I'm not into organized religion, right? I'm not into the, the uh, corporate church, into the organized. Anytime we use the word religion, anytime we use that word, it always, like, like I never want to say that we're a religious organization. I don't want to say that. I think Jesus had issues with religion. 
because religion was about rules, but Jesus was about relationships. I always tell people, Jesus Christ didn't die to make you religious. He died so that you might have a relationship with him. This is why he died. So, so the whole, but, but let's talk about the corporate organized religion. Because people will say, well, the church is all about consumerism. And, and many times it can be. That's not a false statement. But, but if you look about what's more consumeristic, being part of the body of Christ or saying, you know what, I'm going to walk away from it and I'm going to do things on my own. God, here I am worshiping you on my own, right? You and me, uh, when it's convenient for me, where it's convenient for me, I'm worshiping you in my, in my living room in wearing my pajamas or wearing no pants at all, you know, which is weird. Jesus wants you wearing pants. So I, but that's consumeristic, isn't it? I mean, to say that, that I'm going to find the pastor that I like and I'm going to filter through the internet. Oh, I like him. You know, he's in Pennsylvania. I'm here. I'll never meet him, but he's my pastor. Well, he's not. He's somebody that's preaching you a message. But, or I'm going to find the music that I love the most. I'm going to listen to that on, when it's convenient for me. Isn't that more consumeristic? I thought about this. The internet, and if you're watching online, I love you. Like, like we are excited that you're here. But I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you, if you're able to get to a local church, you should not watch Meadows online, and you should get to a local church. I, I, I'm confident in saying that because the local church is powerful. You're going to see that today, I promise you. The internet is not the local church. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The internet is not the local church. Meadows, you put your messages online? We do. It's a message. We put them online. So, But you know what they're for? They're for, for you or pe they're for people that can't, they're not able to get to a physical church for whatever reason, or they're for you. Like if you go on vacation, you can stay connected. If you're sick, right? Like if, you're, if you got diarrhea, we don't want you here, okay? Well, pastor, you said you don't care if we're messy when we come to church. Okay, you misinterpreted. There's messes we don't want to clean up, okay? Here's some Imodium AD. Do yourself a solid, all right? So anyway, <laughs> sorry, that was bad. That was bad. So, yeah, yeah, some of you, you, you'll get it. So anyway, so <laughs> it, that's what the mess, the internet, the internet's not the local church. It is not. not and I'll, I'm not going to show you that. God will show you that. But since we're on that topic of what's not what, I'm just going to rant for a second. This is, okay, your pets are not your kids, okay? I, I know this hurts somebody. Some of you want to chuck something at me right now because you love your little fluffy cat and all that. And you're, uh, we have it. I love my dog. We love our dog, but it's not a person. Like if I, people, I saw somebody, they had their, it wasn't even Halloween and they had their dog dressed up like a, I don't know what. And I'm like, this is wrong. Even on Halloween, oh, Sparky wants to be a gremlin. Does he? I think he wants to be, does he? I don't know. So it's so funny. So this is real in our household as well. Ava, was it a few months ago you brought home pajamas for Rudy? Two sets? I thought, my God, the world's ending. What are we doing? We're dressing our dog in pajamas. I said, if, if that dog's, if we're buying clothes for that dog, he's going to start paying rent. That's what I said, you know? It ain't right. There's some things that are not, the, the internet is not the local church. It is not. Now, some people will say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. It's full of messed up people. I know. I know. They keep letting me in every week. I don't get it, right? Yes, it's full of hypocrites. Yes, it's full of messed up people. Thank God they're in church. Disconnecting yourself from community is actually less faithful than connecting yourself to a flawed community. I'll say it again. Disconnecting yourself from community is less faithful 
than connecting yours, or yeah, is less faithful than connecting yourself to a flawed community. The church is a flawed community, but I'm telling you this, there is only one. There is one entity. There's, there's one who wants you to believe that you're better off disconnected from the church, and that is the enemy. He wants you to believe it. He, like when this message, when God gave me this message, he hated it. He can't stand what you're hearing right now because he knows if he gets you alone, if he isolates you, if he gets you believing the lie that you're somehow better off, that somehow the best is yet to come, disconnected from a church, he wins. He's winning. That's why this message is so, so important. So I'm not into organized religion. What was another one? Um, well, I, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And actually, that's a true statement. You don't. Like going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to a Justin Bieber concert doesn't make you a good singer. Yeah, you got that yummy, yummy. It makes some of us good, but not you. So I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so now I've seen I've seen Lady Gaga from the stage, Justin Bieber, um, Britney Spears. What's next? I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, it's kind of a scary question. So. I don't have to go to church, or I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I, I was the epitome of that. No one was going to church more than me growing up. Three times a week, Tuesdays, Fridays, Sundays, I was, oh, I was churched. I was not following Jesus. I would claim that I'm a Christian, but I'm telling you, by the way that I was living, it didn't matter what I claimed. It mattered what I was doing, and I was not following Jesus, and I was churched up. So I get the statement. But, but this is what I need you to know. And if there's anything that you should take away from this message, it is this. And it's not because I said it. It's because God says it. And I'll show you that. A step away from the local church is a step away from God. A step away from the local church is a step away from God. My excuses for not going to church, I would say, oh, I'm not into organized religion. Oh, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Oh, it's just me and Jesus and I can worship him all by myself wherever I'm at. But what I was really saying was, I was, I was too busy to go to church. That's what I was really saying. I was too lazy to go to church. That's what I, honestly, if I could be honest, I was too hungover to go to church, right? I was too tired to go to church. Sunday was my day. God, I get up early Monday through Friday and Saturday, you know, I'm partying all day. I need to, I need to rest on Sunday. That's what the real thing was for me. I don't know what yours is, but that's what it was for me. A step away from the local church is a step away from God. The reason I can tell you that is because I have not met many people in fact, I've met nobody that has stepped away from the church and somehow became closer to God. All of a sudden, they became more spiritual in their walk. And all of a sudden, they're more vibrant with their relationship with Jesus. I never, I've met many who've walked away from churches and their relationship with God didn't, didn't get stronger, got weaker. Their, their, their love and burden for lost people didn't like, like increase, it actually decreased. Or it wasn't there at all. I've seen it. I saw it earlier this year. There was a guy that, that came through the doors of the church. And I didn't, he had, he had been to church, he had been to Meadows in like at least two years. So, you know, it, we have, a, we get a lot of people coming through. So I didn't remember. He's like, hey, he's like, pastor, I'm back. I'm like, hey, you, I, because I don't, I didn't remember him. And he's like, yeah, I was, I was, I was gone for a while, but now I'm back. And he, it was a while. In, in three to four minutes, he summarized how, how it was going for him after he walked away from church for a while. So I, 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 without giving any names, uh, here's what happened in his story. In that time away, he became divorced. He, was, he became dependent heavily on alcohol, and he lost everything. Okay? 
Now, he's been coming back for a few months, at least, back to Meadows Church. In just that short amount of time, connecting back to the body of Christ, connecting back, he's recommitted his life to Jesus. He is winning the battle against addiction, and today he's getting baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the... I'm telling you, the church, it's powerful, powerful, powerful. But I've got a newsflash for all of us today. Like, we don't naturally, like, run to Jesus. We don't naturally draw close to God's will for our life. What we naturally draw close to are dumpster fires. That's what we will naturally gravitate towards in this world. You will and I will, and you know it and I know it. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen just organically by itself. That is not the norm. There are advantages to a local church. I, I wrote down, we grow closer to Jesus when we gather intentionally. We grow closer to Jesus when we gather intentionally. You know specifically how, how, what we get closer to, what it connects us to? I'll give you, there's many. I'll give you three things real quick. Three things that when you connect to the local church, it's gonna connect you to something else. First one, it connects us to God's word. Say God's word. It connects you to God's word. See, I, question for anybody that you've ever walked away from church, and probably all of us maybe have for a season, whether it was a month or a year, or like in my case, 15 years. When you, when you stepped away from the church for a while, were you, were you more adamant about getting into scripture? Like, were, were you studying the word of God more? Were you reflecting and reading scripture more when you were disconnected from the body of Christ? a lot of people, let's be honest, a lot of people aren't in the word whether they're going to church or not. So let me just say it this way. Were you hearing the word of God more when you, when you were away from the church? I wasn't. I wasn't. But I'll tell you this. The number one way God will speak to you, because people are always like, oh God, you know, pastor, how does God speak? The number one way is through his word. Does, doesn't that make sense? Through his word. Of course, that's how he's going to speak to you. It's, it's the main way he speaks to me. Like, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God's word. I'll, I'll be real graphic with you. I don't think I would be on the earth today if it wasn't for the word of God. There's so many pivotal moments I could show you. When, when I got out of rehab, the, was it the first time or second? I don't remember. But I'm working through the 12 steps, and I sat down working a step five with a pastor. And a step five is like confession. You know, it's like you're confessing all these deep, dark things. I was like, are you sure you want to do this? We'll be here for like seven hours, but whatever. So he's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we're going through it. And I was so broken because I kept doing things I didn't want to do. And the pastor said, Monty, I want you to go and I want you to read Romans 7. And he had a Bible right there. Pastor, good pastors, they'll have that. So I open it up and I start reading this plight of Paul, a guy that was saved by Christ. And in the story in Romans 7, Paul's struggling. He's saved. And he's like, oh my God, why keep doing what I don't want to do? Can you relate to that? I keep doing, I keep, I keep watching what I shouldn't watch. I keep saying what I shouldn't say. I keep getting angry when I know better. I shouldn't get angry. Like I keep doing it. And I'm reading it in front of this pastor, Pastor Mike, and I'm sobbing. Like I can't stop. Like I'm just bawling. Tears are running on the Bible. And I don't know what's going on. And God was showing me in Romans 7, you know what, Monty, if I can use a guy like Paul, and even after he's saved, he still struggles. And he's messed up. Maybe, maybe, I thought, maybe, God, you could use a guy like me. I couldn't believe. Like, it was like I was reading about addiction in the Bible. It's just, I was like, my God, he, can, he gets it. He can relate to what I'm going through. And he can relate to what you're going through. Romans 7 changed my life. Ephesians 4 
changed my life. I'm reading it one day. I read the first verse, and God basically tells me, I'm, I, and this is after I get offered a job that I don't know if I'm going to take or not. And I read the scripture, and God says, you're going to go into full-time vocational ministry. And, and that's, I, I, I learned it through the word. Heck, the reason we're here today, the reason Meadows Church even exists, it was as I was sitting on my couch one day in South Dakota reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all, say all. God, did you hear that? I have all that I need. God, in you, we have everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. And I read it, and God's like, you're going to lead a church called Meadows Church. And I had no idea. None. The word of God is the number one way that God speaks. I'm telling you what, the local church, you're hearing, you're going to be hearing the word of God today in the message because you're in the local church. That's why. So it connects you to God's word. It connects you to God's people. Say people. God's people, we like to call it family. It's again, I said earlier, that's one of our core values. God's people. So another question for you. If you disconnected from your family, like today, you get done with church and you maybe go grab a bite to eat and then you make the decision, we're going to kind of walk away from each other. We're going to disconnect. We're going to live in separate areas. We're not really going to converse anymore. We're not going to FaceTime. We're not going to Zoom. Okay, if you did that with your family, and there, there's always somebody, because there's always that one family member, you're like, God, I wish that would, I wish that would happen, you know? Because you, you we all got the crazy person in our family, you know, the uncle, the aunt, whatever. And if you're thinking, I don't, we don't have a crazy person, well, then it's you, okay? So we all got a crazy person. So, but, but what if you disconnected? I wrote it down. I said, would you grow closer over time? Would you start to think about each other more or less as the days and the months and the years went on? Would you care about each other more or less? You don't have to answer the question. I already know the answer to the question, and you do too. See, the church it's so much bigger than, it isn't a building, it isn't land, it's none of that. It's none of that. Meadows, we, we own nothing, okay? The owners of this building, they don't even know we're here today. I'm kidding, they do know we're here. You're like, what? It's so, yeah, no, they know, but they don't know a lot what we do, but they know we're here. So, um, we, we, don't, we don't own buildings, we don't own land. So, it, it, the church is a place to belong. We say it all the time, a believer in Jesus, without a church family, that's an orphan. That's what it is. When you're grafted into God's family, when you surrender your life to Christ, you, you become a child of God. See, most people aren't God's child. Even though we like to say everybody's a child of God, that's just a false statement. If you read the word of God, it, it, most people, unless you surrender your life to Jesus, you're actually apart from the family of God. But see, the people getting baptized today, this is, what's so, this is why it's such a perfect message. Because you know what they're declaring? They're declaring I'm part of God's family. They're declaring their allegiance to Jesus and that he lives in them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're declaring, I'm, I'm, not, I'm part of a family. I'm part of a church. That's what they're declaring. And, and it always baffles me because once in a while, not the group today because they all love Jesus, but once in a while, we'll see people get baptized and then we never see them again. And I always think to myself, I don't know if that was genuine then. Because if you get baptized in the body of Christ, you are drawn to it. It is a fact. I'm telling you, it is, it is a family, a place to belong. So it connects you to God's word, say word. It connects you to God's people, say people. It connects you to God's mission, say mission. God's given you a mission, and he's given me one. You heard the churches specifically. We exist to lead people to Jesus. 
and your God-given purpose. That's why we exist. Jesus said, you are to love others like I love others. Jesus said, you are to go and make disciples. In other words, Jesus said, you're to reach people in my name. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is that just happening for, to you organically, all by yourself? Maybe it is. Maybe you woke up yesterday and you're like, all right, family, Saturday. Let's see, we got soccer at 10. Um, we're going to go to lunch at noon, Chick-fil-A, because we love Jesus. And then uh, from 1 to 2 o'clock, it's baseball. And family, from 2 to 5, we are going to share our faith with people that don't know Jesus. Let's go. Okay. Now, number one, if your family's doing that, you probably have no neighbors because you're weird. So, but hey, we, we're, that's not happening. It is not happening. People are not setting their agendas. For the most part, there's always exceptions around the, the, the mission of God. We set, the, we set our mission around the mission of us and the mission of our family and the mission of our work and the mission of our kids and the mission of our vacation. We, uh, we set our mission around us, guarantee you. But God says you center your mission. Are you doing that by yourself? If you are, praise God. You are the exception. Most people need to gather together and get inspired and get encouraged and get, get spiritual nourishment in the word of God that would compel them and, 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 and cause them to go out. Most people need people praying over them to have the courage to do that. Most people need to be connected to a group, of, a small group of people that are really getting intentional about serving and, and, and witnessing, as you would say. So I'm just, I, the church, by the way, the church is the only thing, of all the things that Jesus could do in the world, and we would agree, if you're a believer, Jesus can do anything. Of all the things that Jesus said he would build, he said he'd build one thing, the church. That's all he said he would build, nothing else. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is walking with his disciples and, 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 he's, and he's quizzing them. And he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, oh, some say you're Elijah and some say you're John the Baptist. And, and they're guessing, they don't know. And then Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? Bartholomew. James, John, Peter. And Peter's like, you are the Messiah, the son of a living God. And Jesus says, Peter, it's kind of funny. It's almost like he said, Peter, you ain't smart enough to know that. It's, you, you, you know that because uh, God told you that, which is a beautiful thing. Because Peter nailed it. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, one of my faves, and now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, now, now Jesus isn't literally talking just about Peter, like he's talking about believers. Upon this rock, upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church has been around for 2,000 years plus. I Googled organizations and businesses that have been around the longest, two, 300 years at most. Do you know why? They're man-made. Anything man makes, it, it's, it's going to die. It is a death sentence the moment we touch it. It will die. Anything God makes, you can't break it. You can't bend it. I wrote, the church has a track record that spans centuries. Malicious leaders have tried to destroy it. Hostile groups have persecuted it. 
Skeptics have scoffed at it. Nevertheless, God's church always prevails. Why? Why? Because it's indestructible against all the powers of hell. In other words, no hurricane, no earthquake, no tsunami, no famine, no, pam no pandemic, no army can conquer it because the gates of hell will not prevail. Indestructible. God's church. He said he would build it, he'll build it. It's the one thing Jesus said he would build. And we got, we got people saying, oh, Jesus said he'd build that, but I'm, that's the one thing I'm gonna walk away from. And if you ever got hurt by a church, there's a lot of people that have. I'm sorry. Uh, here's what I can tell you. It wasn't Jesus that hurt you. It was a person. It was a flawed person. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I'm sorry, I, I wish it didn't happen in the church, but unfortunately, there are sinners. I, I, actually, fortunately, there are sinners in the church. That's where we, that's where we want them. That's where we want them. So, as we close, I told you earlier that everything that we touch will die. Because that's about as good as we are. Everything, everything that God touches lives forever. The church was not man's idea. That's why 2,000 years later it stands. It was, never God, it was never our idea. It was always God's idea. Did you know that? The reason I can tell you that is because you can read the New Testament. You can read it half asleep, one eye open, skimming it, and see. It's all about the church. The whole New Testament. Paul, Paul's writing to what? Churches. Jesus is building what? His church. It's about the work of the church that Jesus ordained. And that's why I can tell you this. To get rid of the church means to get rid of Jesus. That's what it means. You get rid of the church, you're getting rid of Jesus. Do you know why that's a true statement? Because Jesus is the head of the church, and you're the body, and so am I. And you separate a head from a body, it doesn't go well. It's not good. Jesus, you, you can't have one without the other. Not only is Jesus the head of the church, the, the church is the body of Christ, it's also the bride of Christ. You know when you get married, what they say, to become? Yeah. You can't separate Jesus and the church. Well, we, we try to do it because we think we have it figured out as people. Jesus says, you, you can do whatever you want. You, you can't separate. It's impossible. You cannot separate the two. Colossians 1.18. Christ is the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. He is the first in everything. And by the way, if you haven't already gleaned this from the message, you're, 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 we don't go to church. You are the church, right? We have to stop saying, I tell people, this is the huddle. Church begins when you leave this place. Church begins when you log off your computer and you get into the world and you start loving like Jesus and living like Jesus and having compassion like Jesus and mercy like Jesus. This is the church. You cannot disassociate from church as a Christian. Just like you can't disassociate from humanity as a person. You cannot do it. It is impossible. But I know there's people out there that have. And what, what's happening is they think they're, they're but, it, but I, I'm convinced of this. If you, narrow, if you narrow down why many people don't go, it, it's, and I don't, I'm not, like, this is me. It, it's selfishness. Like, I want to do what I want to do. 
And the problem is you're hurting yourself. And I was hurting myself. When I walked away for 15 years, I was hurting myself. It was 15 of the worst years of my life. Why do you think that is? Is it just a coincidence that the 15 years that you disconnected from the church were a, were a horrible period? Of course, Monty, don't, it said when you walk away from the church, you're walking away in a sense from God. You're disconnecting from Jesus, but somehow you think your life's gonna produce fruit? Somehow you think your life's gonna all of a sudden thrive and get better? But the church hurt me. I'm sorry. Oh, the churches, you know, they're, they're, there's crooked churches. Yep, there's crooked people. It's still God's bride. It's still God's, bo- bo- it's still God's body. It's his bride. And it's still God's plan A to redeem the world. The church is the vehicle that God wants to use to change the world. So people will meet his son, Jesus. In other words, you're plan A, and there is no plan B, none. Because Jesus said, I'm not building anything else. But Jesus, that church, they're messed up, I know. That's why I went on a cross. That's why the tomb is empty. Almost everybody that follows Jesus Almost everybody that follows Jesus has had their life changed by a flawed body called the church. Very few people, very few people know Jesus because he supernaturally appeared to them like when they were all alone and he's like, hey, come follow me. You know, can that happen? Yes. But normally when someone tells me, hey, God showed up and had a conversation with me, normally it's because they just smoked a bowl and that didn't happen, okay? They're messed up. That's normally the case. Can God show up? Yes, he can do it. He can do whatever he wants. I'm telling you, the church is where God does his finest work. So I'm a pastor, right? You're saying this because you want to get people to church. No, I want people to be the church. You're saying this because, you know, you've moved here to plant a church. I did, but that's not why I'm saying this. I'll get real with you. I was saved through the church. Jesus saved me, I get it. It was through his church. Without the church, I would be dead. I promise you. It was the church I stumbled into 15 years ago. And they, and they loved me. Remember, they were washing windows and getting arrested. And I'm like, wow, seems like I fit right in here. <laughs> so we walk in and it was the church that loved us right where we were at. And where we were at was a bad place. It was the church that, that took our two youngest children and, and we checked them into an area and they started feeding them the word of God and loving them and praying over them. While we got Jesus on our level, they got Jesus on their level. It was the church that kept nurturing Jody and myself in our marriage and telling us to keep coming back even when we didn't want to come back. It was the church that would preach truth even when it hurt me, even when it cut deep. It was, it was the church where, where I learned that I couldn't earn my salvation. I thought I got to be good to get to heaven. And it was this church taught me, Monty, it's not about being good. It's about knowing God. It's about the grace of God meeting your faith. It was the church one day where I stood up in the back and my Bible fell off my lap and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and said, I'll give my life to this twice. I'll give my life to to this. It was the local church where I was transformed. My family was transformed. And it's what I've given my life to. It was the church 
Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? We've already covered that. But here's what I believe. I believe if you're truly following Jesus, who, who died for the church, who married the church, who's the head of the church, if you're truly following him, and you understand the plan of the church, and you understand the purpose of the church, and you understand the power of the church, I truly believe that you won't look for a way to get out of it, but you will look for every way you can to run to it on this rock in the gates of hell. Give him praise if you believe that his church is the plan to save the world. It is. The best is yet to come if you're connected to the church. I promise you, the devil doesn't want you here. The devil doesn't want you hearing the word of God. The devil doesn't want you getting, getting excited about, about your, your, the mission that God has for you and it's bigger than you know. The devil wants you to stay in your, in your slump, in your rut, in your addiction, in your lies, in your sin, in your mess, in your struggle. He loves that. He'll isolate you and he'll devour you. It's what he wants to do. It's why, it's why the power of the gathering is so big. You want to make the biggest impact you can make, I believe it with all my heart. It'll happen through the church. But rather than me continually tell you this, I'm going to bring up people getting baptized today and let them tell you. So can we give it up as they come up to the stage for everybody getting baptized in this service Let's go. We are excited. We are expectant. And we're going to make a few declarations before they get dunked in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you guys, you get everybody getting baptized, just come, come up right here. They're going to, I think we have a total of 13 people getting baptized today. Put your hands together for that. So Jolene, James, over here, guys, keep coming over here. I want to get you front and center, James. Yes, right here. You come right here and then just line up. Yep. I'll keep moving over. I don't care if I have to stand in the prayer room. I'll be over there. So come on. Line up right in front of these guys so they can see, see your beautiful faces. That's your definition. This is my definition. Are you guys all, okay, a little bit farther. I want them all right up front. Okay, I love this. So what they're going to do is we're going to make a declaration together. And you guys, we've already talked about a lot of this, but I want, I want them to experience this. So I'm going to ask you some statements, first of all, and you're just going to respond out loud, I do, okay? And then you're going, to, you're going to give them your name and we're going to, we'll talk for just a second, okay? okay? Is that cool? All right, so in front of the church body, I have some questions for those of you getting baptized today. Do you believe that God is the one and only God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and all that is and ever shall be flows from his almighty hand? If you believe that, say, I do. I, do. I love it. Do you believe in his son, Jesus Christ, that he was sent from God, that Jesus was crucified, that he was dead, that he was buried, but on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He then ascended into heaven, and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. If you believe it, say, I do. Church, do you believe in his Holy Spirit? That when you confessed your faith 
and trust in Jesus as Savior and accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, that the Holy Spirit came into your life to guide you and convict you and teach you the ways of God. If you believe it, say, I do. You've just declared that you believe. So if you're ready to declare to yourself, your friends, your family, your church, your God, that the old life is gone and the new life is here, could you shout, I do? Give God praise. They're getting baptized today. I'm going to go one by one, and then they're going to get done. James, I've just said your name. I'll let you say it. What's your name, sir? James. Still James. James, what could, I love, because Jesus gives us new names, but that's a whole other series. Don't give me any more material. I'll keep preaching. So, um, why do you want to get baptized? Because Jesus did. That's huge. So Jesus and Matthew actually said that. I'm doing it, so you should do it. We're supposed to model Jesus. What James just told you is biblical, true, and awesome. What's your name? DJ. DJ, what what prompted you to be here today and get baptized? Why did you you make the decision to get baptized? To save my soul. Yes. Yes. Baptism, a declaration that your soul has been saved. This isn't our home, is it? Nope. Your name? Jolene. Jolene, why are you here today? What prompted you to get baptized today? Jesus has performed so many miracles in my life that I didn't even see, and he patiently waited for me to find him here in this church. And I'm ready to declare to the world that I live for him. If you want someone to summarize the message that I just took 35 minutes giving you, she could do it in three. She should preach to this church every week. So um, she was transformed through the church, Christ through the church. Your name, sir? Michael. Michael, what prompted you to do this? Um, he led me from the darkness I was in and uh, saved me from drowning in my sins. And I want to spend the rest of my life following him and doing what he tells me to. Those are good words. Love you, Michael. Proud of you. Your name? Megan. Megan, why do you want to get baptized today? Just everything's so much better this way. Everything is so much better. A reminder to keep walking in faith. Yes. This is just the beginning. She knows that. It's one step in a journey. Your name? Stephanie. Stephanie, why are you here today? To reclaim my faith and declare that I am part of the body of Christ. To reclaim the faith that was, is gone, right? We, we, we walk away sometimes. And God says, you're always welcome back. That's what I love about him. Your name? Jason. Jason, why do you want to get baptized? Um, I got saved about a year ago, and now I'm just trying to become a warrior for him. A warrior for Jesus. I love it. Battle born. That's what you just made me think of a series we did. Your name? G. G. Why do you want to get baptized? At my other church, I was too nervous to get baptized, and then Jesus was like Meadows. I love it. Did you hear what he said? He was too nervous before, but he's ready now. I love that. Baptism is a decision that we believe at this church that you make. Because every, every baptism in the Bible, it was someone old enough to make the decision for themselves. So babies, toddlers, we dedicate them to the Lord just like Jesus was. But when you're old enough and you get it, you do it. So, let, G, let's stick with you for a second and walk, work our way back. How has Jesus changed your life? He's moved me in a way to Christ. He's one more time. He's moving in a way to Christ. He's, put- he's, he's moving you towards Christ? Would you give God praise for G? 
Jason, how has Jesus changed your life? In a big way. Um, he saved me from addiction. He saved me from a lot of problems that I've been having. Um, just a lot of veteran mental problems. and Now everything is lighting up. Everything is going as it should. Like, I kid you not, when I miss church, things go bad. <laughs> just, just a fact. So, Amen. You, you're preaching in two weeks, okay? You're preaching in two weeks. Stephanie, how has Jesus changed you? Um, he's really helped me through anxiety and depression and just making better decisions for my life and my children, my family. Praise God. She knows it's not just about her, but her kids are impacted by this. <laughs> Megan, how has Jesus changed you? My daughter says I'm nicer. <laughs> and I have less burden. <laughs> and our family will tell us the truth, especially our kids. So that's legit, right? Michael, how has Jesus changed you? Um, he's allowed me to see the errors in my ways. He's helped me overcome addictions and and see how I can make my life better. He's brought my family closer together, restored friendships and relationships that I thought were lost. I love it. Give God praise. Jolene, how has Jesus changed you? He has made me feel more love for myself and others than I ever thought I would be able to feel. He's the author of love. He's the giver of love. It makes sense. DJ, how has Jesus changed your life? Put me in a good home and a good church. Put him in a good home. Put him in a good church. Angie, thank you. James, how has Jesus changed you? He has changed me by allowing me to think better and be open to his word. He loves his word. He loves that you're open to it. Give God praise for James getting baptized. For every one of these, you guys got the shots you need for picks. We're gonna, what we're gonna do is we're gonna worship together. The band's gonna play and they're gonna, we're gonna bring them back over there and they're gonna go and they're gonna get dunked. And when they come up, I need you celebrating and raising the roof in this place every time someone comes up declaring the old is gone and the new is here. So give God a shout one more time. I'll bring you guys back over here. Come back. Was that amazing or what? Is God good or what? Every one of the people that you saw declare their faith in Christ, they understand that what they did today, this didn't save them. This, this told you and you and you that they're saved, that they're his. So a relationship with Jesus saves you. I'll close by giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came for flawed, messed up people like you and like them and like me. And he came to, to set us free from ourselves and our sickness and our sin and our messed up decisions. And he went to a cross, he died a perfect death. Jesus never hurt anybody. All he did was love and we killed him. But we really did and he knew that was his mission. That was his mission to die. But here's the greatest news in the world. Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. And this is why you know that Christianity is different than any other religion. You, I could go through Hindu, I could go through Buddhism, I could go through Islam, I could go through all of them and show you that, that what they're serving and what they're worshiping 
isn't eternal like Jesus was. Jesus is alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is with us in the room right now, living in you that are believers. Those of you that you've never surrendered your life to Christ and the belief that he was dead and then rose, I want you to do it today. If you're a first-time guest, I didn't say this. If you're a first-time guest, fill out a connect card, a green card. We have a gift for you for being here. Turn it into guest services. If, if you're, even if you're here visiting for baptisms, fill it out. Let us love you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus like they did, if you've never sold out, I'm not talking just believing. I'm talking surrender. Today is your day. You can call on his name like, like I did one day and like they did one day. And you can say, God, I'm jacked up. I'm a sinner. I need you to make me new. I need you to come into me. Help me. I believe that you were dead. I believe that you're alive. And I want, I want, I want you to live in me. And if you do that, if you pray that prayer, he will, he, the Holy Spirit will enter into you. You may not feel it. Probably won't. Some will. And he will save you. And, and, and indicate that on a card so we can celebrate with you. Turn that card in. I want to invite the prayer team up. The prayer team is here for you. Not just um, those that got baptized, but all of us. So as they come up, um, I'm going to close in a prayer. And I'm praying for decisions. I'm praying for new life. You didn't come to church just to show up for an hour to celebrate. You came because God had something for you. God wants to do a work in you. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we, we're celebrating, Father. And we know that as we celebrate new life, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. You and the Father rejoicing. The Holy Spirit in the room rejoicing. But here's what I know, God. In a few minutes, we're going to leave a building and then we're going we're gonna to live the life that you died for. The question is, will we live for you or for us? God, I pray that, you will, that your Holy Spirit will work right now and, and compel us to want to live for you. For the people here today, God, and the people watching online, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that they will sell out to your grace and say, I want God's grace in my life. I have faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. From the dead. He wants to take away my sins. But he's not going to do it unless we call on his name, unless we ask him to do it, unless we invite him in. God, I pray that many will invite you in today. They will indicate it on a card so we can celebrate it. First time guests, God, thank you for every one of them. You're doing a work. And what we saw today is, is life change in action. And we want to see more. Our time here is short. I don't care if we're 6, 60, or 90. Our time in this world is short. We get one shot. Our first step is to sell out to you. And our next one is, is to invite others to do the same. God, use us. Change us. May we be obedient to do whatever your Holy Spirit tells us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, I need someone to give God one more shout of praise like you believe he's changed lives. Oh, God, we love you. We give you glory. We thank you. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. 
I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.